Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Montana's only daily sports talk show, Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Well, he jinxed us. Yesterday, we had Trevin Grady on the show, a Grizz uh, corner, and we were talking about the heat, and he said, well, at least it's not smoky. Now, all of a sudden, it's smoky. I sound like it's smoky. I'm coughing. Nobody cares about your problems. We're here to talk about sports. What's up, everybody? Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Had to call it Audible. Our good buddy Sam Herder actually had a conflict today. He'll join us to start off most Wednesdays throughout the fall. The uh, senior FCS analyst for Hero Sports, uh, but not today. So we'll keep talking NFL and Big Sky Conference here off the top. We got through some of our questions and concerns about both the Grizz and the Cats on Monday's show. So I want to finish that up and also talk about the strengths for those teams. The definitive strengths, and there are many. We also did division winners pick them. The uh, I guess yesterday, but we didn't get to the AFC or the NFC West. We'll do that here right off the top. We also got some Paddleheads tickets for you. Actually, three different pairs of Paddleheads tickets for you coming up here in the first segment as well. About 4.30, we'll hear from Tyler Walker. He's the tight ends coach at Montana State. And MSU has a couple of the top tight ends in the conference, in the Big Sky Conference, that is. That are both seniors uh, entering their final seasons with Montana State. Derek Snell and Trayton Pickering. And uh, so Coach Walker, certainly a full stable this year. And he's excited about it. He's excited about his group in general. We also have some free wings to round out our number one. As part of Wing It Wednesday, presented by the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Here's what we're going to do for Wing It Wednesday this week. You're just going to call us. Whoever gets through first. Tell us who you think is the favorite to win the AFC and the favorite to win the NFC. In other words, who's going to play for the Super Bowl? You obviously don't have to be right because there's no way to know if you're right until February. As well as some engagement. So whoever gets through first, give us your bold predictions for the conference champions in the NFL, and you'll win a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Hour number two, our ESPN Roundtable. This week features Nuanez times two. My brother Brooks Nuanez joining us. To talk all things Big Sky Conference football, we've sort of explored the narratives with our uh, consistent contributors around the Big Sky here. Uh, so I wanted to get Brooks's thoughts. We also recorded some NFL stuff earlier today. We'll play that for you later on in the week. And then at 5.30, we'll hear from Brenton Hansford. He's an uh, incoming recruit, uh, about to be a senior in high school, but a, a commitment to the University of Montana. 
some more Grizz recruiting action. And we got some more free stuff for you, too. Town Pump will give you a $50 gift card as part of our Brawl of the Wild by the Mile. So that's coming up about 5.30 as well. So there you go. It's your show outlook here on Nuanas Now. I am Coulter Nuanas coming to you through the ESPN MT studio. We're here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company, locally owned and operated for more than 15 years and happy to say so. You can always stream the show on the ESPN MT app as well as on our station website, 1029ESPN.com. And if you want to be a part of the show, whether you want to win wings, town pump gift card, or you just want to be a part of the conversation, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. All guests will join us via the Rangets Brothers RV phone line. Uh, We went division by division in the NFL yesterday, giving you bold predictions and winners. But we never got to the the, uh, two divisions out west, so let's do that uh, right now to get things kicked off. uh, We'll start with the NFC West, just because I know that there's there's certainly some Broncos fans, some Raiders fans, some Chargers fans around Montana, but I do think that probably the Seahawks and the 49ers are two of the biggest teams in Montana in terms of fandom. I think that's because of proximity for the Seahawks and then tradition because of the 49ers. 49ers were just, you know, they're one of the most popular teams in the NFL for a really long time because of their appealing style of play, their offensive prowess, you know, their their awesome head coach. Um by the way, I started reading Bill Walsh's book, and uh, it, it's really good. It's, I mean, I knew it was going to be good. Bill Walsh is a Stanford guy who, uh, you know, is one of the well-renowned, is one of the great leaders in pro sports history. But the store, the score takes care of itself, is what the book's called, and it's very interesting. I've very much enjoyed it uh, already. I also found this cool uh, Lou Gehrig memoirs book. Back in 1923 and 1924, Lou Gehrig was employed by uh, basically a a wire service like the Associated Press to chronicle his first couple years in Major League Baseball. I had never heard of this before, but these are first-person essays written by Lou Gehrig. And it's all just about the early 1920s, not just the Yankees, but just life in general then and the baseball in general. You know, he's got stories about Tris Speaker and Ty Cobb and, uh, of course, Babe Ruth. Endlessly fascinating. I've been reading it before bed, uh, just, you know, one essay at a time. And uh, really, really good. So we'll be talking about that. But I digress. Let's talk about the uh, the NFC West. The NFC West, and this is, this is how much the NFL ebbs and flows. I'd say just four short years ago, when Ryan Tutel was still my co-host here on ESPN Radio, we had a weeks-long argument about what makes a division the best division in football. His argument was always the depth of the division and, and, you know, are all four teams good? My argument was, okay, you can have a deep division where all four teams are good, but can any of those teams actually win the conference or win the Super Bowl I thought at the moment we were having the argument, the answer was no, none of the NFC West teams could win the Super Bowl. But here's how the ebbs and flows have gone. Because now, I think that the NFC West has definitively one really good team. That's the San Francisco 49ers. I think the 49ers are one of the two or three best teams in the NFC. I think the NFC West has one uh, okay to good team in the Seattle Seahawks. And I actually think the Seahawks could be could be really good this year if they put it all together, and Geno Smith can replicate his season last year, and, uh, you know, they keep scoring points on offense, but then they still have the salty defense that they're so accustomed to having with Pete Carroll. Seahawks could be, could be good, too. I guess what I'm saying, though, is the, the 49ers could be a conference champion in the NFC. I don't know if Seattle could, but Seattle certainly, I think, has an inside track at the playoffs. But now, the, you know, the division seems so stacked for, and it was stacked three, four years ago because the Rams were really, really good, and now the Rams are, are just sort of almost okay or okay. And the Cardinals were 
uh, coming off of uh, the high point of the Cliff Kingsbury era. And since then, the Cardinals haven't been any good, and Kyler Murray got hurt at the end of last year. So the franchise quarterback there in Arizona, uh, he'll be out. So uh, I think the Cardinals are are one of the two worst teams in the NFL. I think that the, the race towards the number one pick is going to be led by Arizona and Houston. So that that hurts the the prowess of the NFC West. The Rams they've done this they've done it in a very uh, interesting way the way that they've sort of revamped their roster three different times under Sean McVay. Uh, they've they've sort of like tore it all down and built it back up with so many different acquisitions on the free agent market, and now they they still have. You know, some headlining players. Of course, Cooper Cup offensively. Matt Stafford's still there as the quarterback, but he's getting a little bit older. They still have Aaron Donald defensively, but not nearly the headliners that they've, they've had in the past. I mean, there's there's no more uh, Jalen Ramsey. Um, their linebacker core used to be a who's who, and, and now, I mean, I know who Christian Roseboom is because he went to South Dakota State. How many common NFL fans know who the starting inside linebacker for the Rams is, though? I don't really know. I'm looking across their defensive depth chart. Not a lot of household names on the defense. So uh, the Rams certainly a far cry for what, from what they were when they won the Super Bowl a couple years back. So I think that impacts uh, the, the overall quality of the division. That said, I do think if you have a team that could win the conference in your division, like the NFC West does, then you're a good division. I can't really see any of the teams in the AFC South or the NFC South winning their their uh, you know respective conferences. So the NFC West certainly uh, above those two in the uh, the power rankings. I, I we did bold predictions and division winners last time uh, we did this exercise. So let's do that exact same thing. My bold prediction is that the Seattle Seahawks will hit their over for wins in a season at eight and a half. I think they'll be over that. They'll have a winning record. And I think the Seattle Seahawks will make the playoffs. If you know me, you know that I'm certainly a Seahawks hater. Part of it's just because growing up in Montana, I was always very contrarian and and very uh, frustrated by the local and regional teams that would become, uh, that would get bandwagons attached to them. The Gonzaga basketballs of the world, the Boise State footballs of the world, the Seattle Seahawks fans of the world. I'm over it now. I've been to a couple games out there. It's a sweet atmosphere. Pete Carroll, you know, is his style going to be like endlessly entertaining? Definitely not. But is his style conducive to winning more than losing? Absolutely. I, I just think that, I mean, Pete Carroll's made the playoffs 11 times in 13 years as the head coach of the Seahawks. The Seahawks have never been truly bad under Pete Carroll, even when they those two years they missed the playoffs. I think they still won seven games both times. So they're always between 9, 10, 11 wins. And uh, I think the formula, you know, he always says it. He says it every single week. You don't win the game in the first quarter. You don't win the game in the second quarter. You don't win the game in the third quarter. You win the game in the fourth quarter. I think the Seahawks ride the roller coaster all the time. It comes down to the end almost always. And more often than not, Pete Carroll and whoever he's had at quarterback, whether it's been Russell Wilson for a long time or Geno Smith last year, they found ways to get it done. So that's my bold prediction. I think the Seahawks will take one of those wild card spots in the NFC uh, out of the NFC West. But I think that, I think then you know who my obvious prediction is uh, for the, the division champion. I got the San Francisco 49ers. I know there's a lot of uh, chaos right now with the quarterback situation. They drafted Trey Lance uh, with a top three pick out of North Dakota State a couple years ago. Trey Lance was supposed to be the guy last year. They moved on from Jimmy Garoppolo. Trey Lance shatters his ankle the second game of the year, and all of a sudden they're rolling with Brock Purdy. Well, Mr. Irrelevant takes the role by storm and gets all, gets him all the way to the NFC Championship game, but then he, he sort of melts down in the championship game and then gets knocked out of the championship game. And so the question marks re-arose. What will the competition be like with Lance back healthy? Can Purdy stay magical like he was last year, or does he come back down to earth? And, oh, by the way, they signed a guy that at one point in time I thought was fast-tracking to be an all-pro franchise-type quarterback in the NFL, and and he's fallen on hard times with stops in both New York and Carolina. But now, don't look now, but Sam Darnold right now, today, is slated as the starter for the San Francisco 49ers. There's certainly lots of preseason left, but Darnold has certainly been the guy that's been making the most waves at camp there uh, in the Bay. 
Uh, when Sam Darnold was a freshman and early on in his sophomore year of college at USC, I thought Sam Darnold was the next. I mean, I thought he was like the next Andrew Luck. I know they're not built the same. Andrew Luck is, you know, a mountain of a man. Um, and Sam Darnold's not nearly as big. But Sam Darnold had this special pizzazz. His performance against Penn State in the Rose Bowl his freshman year was unforgettable. And uh, I thought he was a real deal NFL prospect. I- I've also talked about this on the show quite a bit. Sometimes just the circumstances surrounding your opportunities can really hold you back. In other words, when you're playing for the New York Jets and you have no offensive identity, uh, you're floundering in terms of offensive skill. And, and, you know, he just missed out because they actually have great offensive skill now there in New York. But when you you don't have a lot of continuity, you don't have a good offensive line, you're on a bad team, it, it can it can jade you. It can, and it can negatively influence what people think about you as a quarterback, even though a lot of it's not your fault. You're just on a bad team. Didn't get much of a shot really in Carolina either. But if Sam Darnold could recapture what, what his potential was, what his 20-year-old form was, uh, that could be interesting for San Francisco. All that said, I think that's the one thing that could derail the Niners. I think the Niners, got, I, I, th- I think that San Francisco has one of the three best defensive units in the NFL. I think other than the Philadelphia Eagles, they got the best defensive front in the NFL. I, I think that Nick Bosa is as advertised. I think he's certainly one of the top players in the league. Fred Warner is one of the top players in the league. San Francisco has unbelievable dudes defensively. Offensively, got one of the best offensive lines in the league. They got several of the best playmakers in the league in Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel. And uh, so the thing that could derail them is quarterback drama, quarterback controversy, a quarterback carousel. But I also trust uh, Kyle Shanahan to get this thing right. I think Shanahan's one of the best coaches in the league. I think he's one of the best offensive minds in the league. So I'm going with San Francisco uh, to win the NFC West. And I also would say, uh, I think I'm going to put, I think I'm going to put, Two futures bets on NFC teams to go to the Super Bowl. I think it's going to be Philadelphia and San Francisco. Noah is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app, which brings us to our last division. If you want to hear our other division picks, check out the podcast from yesterday's show. That's August 15th for those keeping track. The uh, Nuana's Now podcast is available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. The uh, AFC West, of course, includes the, the defending Super Bowl champions and the Kansas City Chiefs, and I, I still think that they have to be the team to beat. As long as Andy Reid is the guy steering the ship and as long as Patrick Mahomes is the guy taking the snap from the center, as long as Travis Kelsey is at an all-pro form, the Chiefs got to be the favorites. I mean, they, they got the formula. They, they know how to navigate the regular season. I mean, people forget the Chiefs, uh, they got beat up pretty good against both Buffalo and Cincinnati last year. And it dropped them to 9-3, and three, and they knew they needed to win out their last five regular season games to get that number one seed, and they did. And that's been the tried-and-true formula. If the AFC, if the road through the AFC has to go through Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, the, the Chiefs are going to be the favorites. Arrowhead is one of, if not the best, home field advantages in, in the entire NFL. And so if you combined legendary Hall of Fame coach, legendary Hall of Fame quarterback, the greatest tight end of all time, and one of the best home field advantages in professional sports. Hard to bet against those guys. That said, I do think that the rest of the AFC West is wide open. I think that all the other three teams could be good, and if you're good in that division and you're good in the AFC in general, I mean, you got to remember, there's there's an extra wild card spot now. So there's four division winners and then three wild cards that make the playoffs now. So, uh, first of all, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the division. <laughs> we do this exercise every year. I picked the Chiefs four years in a row, got it right. Then last year, like a dummy, decided, well, I'm going to be a contrarian. I'm going to pick the Chargers to win the division. Well, that was stupid. <laughs> Chiefs went 14-3 and three and won the division. So, I'm picking the Chiefs to win the division again. Uh, my bold prediction for this division, though, and I know a lot of people that are listening right now are not going to want to hear this because there's a lot of Broncos fans uh, throughout Western Montana. My bold prediction for this division is that the Denver Broncos are going to finish last again. Some people are saying, well, well, Las Vegas isn't very good. I agree. I don't think the Broncos are very good either. The Broncos have good players. The Broncos actually have some studs defensively. They have several young offensive skill guys that are impressive. But Russell Wilson, 
I don't think has anything left in the tank. And when he's eaten up as much of your cap as he is, then I also think that impacts your roster uh, as a whole as well. Sean Payton is a uh, a great coach. He deserves the acumen that he's that he uh, has built up. I understand why him being uh, in Denver has people excited. I also understand that you know Jimmy Jimmy Garoppolo was was largely the scapegoat in San Francisco. People thought if you know if you had somebody better than Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe San Francisco could get over the top. Well, how is he going to make much of a difference in Vegas? Uh, I do think there's some some. Symmetry there with Josh McDaniels, but I also think that Vegas has they kind of sneakily built up uh, some pretty good talent defensively through the draft, and uh, more than anything though, I just don't think Russell Wilson's got it, and I think that that's going to hold the Broncos back. So if I'm ranking these this division, I'm saying Chiefs one, Chargers two. I think Justin Herbert has a huge opportunity for a huge year. Then I got the Raiders third, and uh, I got the. Uh, the Denver Broncos, fourth. What do you think? What division winners do you have? Tell me why my bold predictions are wrong. Any of it's good. 406-888-1029. Text us, 888-1029. And let us know what you think about the NFL division by division. It's now on ESPN Radio. Sorry I sound so bad. I have I have terrible allergies and uh, asthma, and I just am not good with the smoke, so... Maybe you can't hear it. I, I sound terrible to myself in my headphones, but um, we shall forge forward. Uh, we were doing strengths and also concerns about both Montana and Montana State football during Monday's show. So to just finish up that idea, here's a couple for you. Uh, we went through our three biggest concerns for each, uh, but here's two more I have for the Grizz and the two more I have for the Cats. Uh, a big concern for the Grizz to me is this tight end. Uh, Cole Grossman's one of the most talented guys in the league, and he's out for the year with a knee injury. They also had some internal attrition with Peyton Brammer and Joey Elwell both leaving the program. So uh, a lot falls on Eric Barker. He's been solid uh, as sort of the number two guy with Grossman and more like the number one guy in terms of the inline stuff they were doing. So how does he take the next step from solid to, to great? And uh, then how does everybody else fill in? The Grizz brought in a couple JC transfers. Uh, one of them was out uh, last time I was at practice uh, with an injury. Evan Schaefer was was in, and uh, I mean he looks the part. He's six five two seventy. Jake Olson, a kid from Butte, Montana, he also looks the part at six seven two fifty seven, and he can move a little bit as well. So an opportunity for some young guys, but he still got to reference it as a concern because Grossman is a multiple time All Conference player. Uh, you know he's a, an All American uh, as a sophomore. Via a sophomore All-American, I should say, via Hero Sports. So, you know, just replacing his big playability, his explosiveness, his production. Uh, I, I just, I think it's, it's got to be a concern for the Grizz uh, until it's not. And I think that they have guys that could rise up for sure. Um, but I, I do think it's something that uh, could be a weakness if they don't find it as a strength uh, sometime during the season. And then my last concern for the Grizz is just their offensive identity. They, they really struggled to have an offensive identity last year. I thought that when this staff first came in and Tim Roosevelt was first calling the plays, 2018-2019, the Grizz were very creative offensively. They ran a bunch of tight end, three tight end sets where they, they switched the strong side. They had some creativity in their run game. They had some creativity in their quarterback run game. They also had a really good quarterback in Dalton Sneed who could slang it all over the place. Last year, I thought their, their offense was... Well, first of all, they were they were hurt. They had a lot of injuries. That's just sort of something that happens in college football. But I thought the Grizz offense was uh, rudimentary at best. I thought it was uh, sort of stuck in the mud, lacked creativity. And more than anything, though, they have great playmaking talent on offense. And I thought it was underutilized. Like, how does a guy like Junior Bergen only have in the teens and catches? I can't remember the specific number, but it was like 17, 18, 19 catches for Junior Bergen. How does that happen? This guy's got to touch the ball five, six, eight, ten times a game. You know, Aaron Font, same thing. He had in the 30s in catches. This guy's got to catch the ball 60 times in a, you know, 13, 14 game season. Aaron Font should be getting five, six catches a game. Keelan White, same thing. Give him the ball. Cole Grossman. I mean, Cole Grossman averaged two catches a game last year. How? how? He should have way more than that. So, you know, I think this utilizing their individual skill talent could make the Grizz take a huge leap forward offensively. 
And I, I, th- I just think you have to have some form of, of identity. What do you do? What do you do when your back's against the wall? What's your bread and butter? How, how do you sort of get your way out of a rut? Great teams have it, you know. I mean, North Coast State's running a gap power at you. When all else fails, that's what they got. South Coast State, when all else fails, they're going to throw it to their 6-5 tight end. The Cats, when all else fails, we're running outside zone at you till you can't breathe anymore. We're smashing it 10 plays in a row. Grizz just got to find something like that. And again, I think they have the skill players. I think the offensive line's better. So I think so much of it falls upon the quarterbacks, specifically the, the front runners right now, Sam Vidlak and Clifton McDowell, uh, under center there uh, for the Grizz. No one is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Want some Missoula Paddleheads tickets for you? We got three pairs to tomorrow night's game. Call us right now, 406 406- 888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call right now. Call number two. We got a pair of tickets for you to the Paddleheads game tomorrow night uh, here in the Garden City. Uh, how about my last couple of concerns for the uh, Bobcats? Uh, I think the you know, we we've talked a lot about uh, the individual personnel on the Bobcat defense. The Sebastian Valdez is an All-American. Brody Greeby's an All-American caliber guy. Like Simeon Woodard. His next step is to be sort of an all-American cal- all caliber guy at cornerback as well. Of course, Greeby a D-end and, and, and Sebash, Sebastian Valdez a D-tackle. That said, and, and, you know, and, and, and the Bobcats had some really talented guys that are not on the team anymore. And Callahan O'Reilly was a borderline NFL guy a year ago. Jeffrey Manning started a bunch of games there, for, former Oregon State transfer. So the talent's been good. The Cats' defense, though, actually in reality last year was very up and down. They had moments where they looked good. They also had moments and, and sort of frequent moments in which they gave up massive plays. They got gashed a lot, even early against McNeese State in the opener. But they gave up some pretty big, t- pretty, uh, you know, chunk plays pretty often last year. So I do think shoring that up uh, is a concern. You know, is it a scheme thing? Is it a communication thing? I don't think it's a talent thing because I think the Cats have great talent at all three levels of their defense. So, uh, I think mitigating those big plays is, is going to be big time for MSU this year, especially if they want to take the next step beyond where they've been here uh, these last couple years. The last two concerns there at MSU, uh, first of all, the, just the defensive backs. I think that that kind of stuff works itself out, especially when you have a lot of candidates to break into the lineup. And Montana State does. I think Woodard at one of the corner spots is, is sort of entrenched there. I think Ryland Ort at strong safety is entrenched. They got multiple offers or options, excuse me, at Nickelback, Lavelle Price, Caden uh, Dowler. They got a ton of options at the other corner spot. J.C. transfer John Johnson, Devin Davis, Miles Jackson, Andrew Powderell, Jackson Harmon. I mean, that's five guys competing for one corner spot. So I think that spot, you know, you have to you imagine if your recruiting's been good, that at least one or two of those guys is going to hit and be, a, a, you know, a contributor. And I think that free safety spot is is one to watch for sure as well. Uh, converted corner, Drew Polidor is sort of leading the way, but Tyson Pottinger is a guy they're high on in the program. And then they brought in a JC transfer in Blake Stilwell, Stilwell, Blake Stilwell, excuse me, uh, at that spot too to compete. So um, it's all to say, I think that they have a whole bunch of guys that could rise up to be the guy at their respective positions in the secondary. But it remains a concern until those guys do it. So um, yeah, I think that's the, the position group, the position battle to watch. You want us now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. The last concern I had there for the Cats, Andrew brought this up on Monday, is just the off-the-field stuff at MSU. You know, Is it a distraction? I, there's there's the, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? The, the good off-the-field stuff that could prove to be a distraction, high expectations, pick to win the league. You know, they went undefeated last year. They got this stacked team that has all the headlines right now. Yeah, how do you manage that? How do you manage those expectations? Uh, the bad is also the ugly, and that's the the off-the-field stuff with their their coordinators. Willie Mack Garza got a DUI in November. Taylor Housewright got a DUI in May. Uh, both those paces, cases excuse me, still pending, so we don't know what the, the legal ramifications are of those yet, and it seems as if Montana State is uh, sitting, sitting tight until the legal process pays, plays out before they decide what to do with those guys from an internal punishment standpoint. But the fact of the matter is that both those guys are going to have to go in the court of law and uh, something's going to happen, and that's going to be in the papers. And so no, regardless of what happens, 
guilty, acquitted, you know, whatever the, the scenarios might play out, it's still something that's going to be a conversation point around the state of Montana, something that's going to be on the tip of the tongues of people that follow Big Sky Conference football. How do you not let that be a distraction? We'll do some big strengths for both the Cats and the Grizz later on in the show. But right now, take a break, and we'll actually stay on the Cats because Tyler Walker, the tight ends coach for MSU, joins us next. It's our Montana State Minute coming up right here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio. Are you having a bad day? Did you get hurt and it wasn't your fault? Are you in trouble? No matter what has you down, you can take action and help yourself by letting Schulte Law Firm help you. Schulte Law Firm litigates injury, criminal, and civil matters, providing expert advocacy in any situation. Here with Dwight Schulte from Schulte Law Firm. When it comes to criminal defense, what's an example of why someone could or should call Schulte Law? Criminal defense happens on somebody's worst day, you know, and it doesn't mean that someone's a bad person. We all make mistakes. We all make choices that maybe aren't the best choice, and that can lead to dramatic consequences in somebody's life. So we're really focusing on personal injury and criminal defense. We do a lot of different areas of the law, though. We have a strong background in real estate. Um, We handle family law for clients, ton of mediations. The ultimate reality is, is that people have bad days. And that's when you need our help. That's when you need to call Schulte Law Firm because we know the players, we know the game. We can put people in the best position to achieve the outcome they want. If you've had a bad day, visit jschultelaw.com. One, two, three. now on ESPN Radio. Nuwana is now ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. Coming to you from the ESPN MT studios here at the Missoula Broadcasting Company. Appreciate you for being here. One more Paddleheads tickets. We got another pair to tomorrow night's game here in Missoula. Call us right now. Let's go fastest to the draw. Caller number one, 406-888-1029. That's 888-1029. Call us right now. In the meantime, we caught up with an assistant coach who has one of the best position groups in the league earlier this week. Time now for our Montana State Minute, where we catch up with folks from uh, all elements of Montana State Athletics, but football heavy, certainly, this time of year. We're joined now by tight ends coach Tyler Walker. Coach, thanks so much for being here, man. Uh, First of all, how's fall camp going? How's things over there in Bozeman? Oh, things are beautiful like always here in Bozeman. Tell you, birds are chirping, sun's out, grass is good. It's good here. Well, uh, your group's a fascinating one with a bunch of veteran leadership in it. We actually uh, already did a story on the tight ends at Skyline Sports uh, just about Derek Snell and Trayton Pickering and their connection, but also just uh, how much football they've played for you guys already. Uh, From a coaching perspective, what's it like when you have veteran guys that have been through it so many times like those two guys have? Well, you know, I I learned just as much from those guys. as I hope they do me. We, we, we have a good group. Uh, they're good leaders on and off the field. You know, this will be our third year in the system. So pick and snell. They played a lot of reps for us. Uh, they know kind of what we're looking for, what we want. So they're, they're really like having two, uh, two GAs on the field, uh, with me out there also. So they're just another set of eyes, man. They're, they're, a, they're a blessing to have. Uh, they're good dudes, good leaders, good for our room. And not only, they're also a good ball player. So it's a best of both worlds. Well, c- compare and contrast, because they, they definitely have a, a couple different things that they do well that is similar and definitely some things that are different about them as well. So uh, what's it like just having sort of multifaceted weapons that tie it in and just compare and contrast those two guys? Yeah, you know, we're we're um, a bunch of Swiss Army knives, so whatever whatever situation calls for, we have, I think we have just about any tool in that room to use, but those two specifically, you know, Snell is, uh, he's a very big, strong body, uh, really good in the run game, but also really good in the pass game this far. He's uh, made drastic improvements in his route running releases. Just a better understanding of what we're trying to get out of some things. Um, he's just so, so strong. Plays well with his hands. Plays good pad level. And, then, and, and Snell, uh, he can do uh, anything that anybody else can do. Um, he is just unbelievably explosive. Um, for for you know, his size, 6'2", 240 pounds. He runs well, catches the ball extremely well, great ball skills. Uh, the kid is... is 
unbelievably athletic, and he is a nightmare uh, matchup for anybody. So, you know, they have a great bond. They're best of friends on and off the field, so it's good having them. They sit right next to each other and uh, and, and meeting. So they're, they're, a, they're a delight to have for sure. Well, I love the way you guys are using Snell particularly. I mean, I'm a big tight ends guy. I love watching the line all the way across the board. But and you always got to love a kid from a six-man high school up there in Sunburst. That's pretty great with Pickering. But I love the way you guys use Snell, just moving him all over the place. I mean, sometimes he's an H. Sometimes he's a traditional fullback. Sometimes he's split out in the slot. Sometimes he's in line. How much do you think that that diversity not only helps him as you know a first-team all-league type player in the big sky, but also helps him maybe give himself a future in football too? Because I mean, I think that his diversity is certainly going to help him have at least an opportunity to play on Sundays. Yeah, no, I think I think he's definitely going to get a shot, and, and it's, it's for that flexibility. And, and you know, he's like the he is the ultimate you know uh, utility guy. We can put him anywhere. He's athletic to play receiver. He's athletic enough to carry the football. He's athletic to return kicks as he's done. Um, so we go in. You know, we look for opportunities uh, within our system that we can create a, a, you know, a one-on-one matchup, which is what we're really trying to do with our best players uh, when we can find a situation where we can utilize us now, put him in the backfield, get him one-on-one with a backer, put him in, uh, you know, at, at a wildcat, flexing him out. You know, we'll see many times where we're uh, 0-3 personnel, there's three tight ends in the game, Snell's a, a, a tailback. I mean, it's, we just find different things because he touches the ball a lot. Um, hyper, hyper tight ends, we tell ourselves, we're do a bunch of different things. Um, and most of the days, uh, most Saturdays, if we're playing well, uh, it just helps our team uh, a lot. Tyler Walker joining us here on Nuanas Now, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, and the ESPN MT app. He's the tight ends coach there uh, at Montana State. Uh, how do you think of just the, what do you think of just the way that the, the tight end position has evolved? I mean, for years and years, it was sort of just like a, a glorified offensive tackle who was maybe a little bit skinnier. But now, I mean, some of the best players in the world right now are, are tight ends, and it seems like the tight end can change the game so much. Uh, how have you seen just the position evolve in recent years? Well, you know, just with with how we were with what the offense uh, has evolved to nowadays. Um, you know, we are spreading in it's up tempo. We're moving. We're creating matchups. We're trying to spread guys out. RPOs this, RPO that, um, and we're and we're and when you have those unicorn guys that um, are a bigger body um, that are willing to put their face on somebody, but that can also uh, touch the ball, carry the ball, um, have good ball skills, run good routes. Um, you know, it's a personnel matchup. We can, you know, it, it's all about how can we. Um, you know, keep the defense on their edge by lining up and, and heavy jumbo on the goal line where Trayton Pickering is uh, a, an upside tight end, smashing a six technique, but two play later, he's spread out for the boundary number one, catching a goal ball. So it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's a personnel matchup. They're all hybrids, you know, and it's just the more athletic you are, the more fluid you are, the more things you can do, uh, the, the, the better that you're going to be at this, at this position nowadays. You know, it's not the, the Wisconsin um, Coach Al Johnson stays lining up and smacking people in the face anymore. No doubt about it. Uh, how about the, the rest of your group? I know that those two guys are going to get a ton of headlines, and justifiably so, as a pair of seniors who are all league caliber guys. How, how do you like the way the rest of your group's coming on? Anybody that's uh, that's uh, shown good signs here during fall camp these last few weeks? Yeah, you know, we we got eight guys in there, and and the whole group. You know, obviously you got those two at the top that everyone knows, but you know, from from there on down, you know, the whole group has progressed. Being the third year in the uh, in the offense, um, understanding what we're getting. And the big thing is that we know everybody knows their role in that room. Um, everybody knows that we're all we're going to be traveling. A lot of us, uh, they all are really, really um, impactful on special teams. Uh, so we're going to be a team heavy. Uh, room. But you know, the, you know, Lonergan from right here in Bozeman, he's uh, he he's a guy who who's going to play a lot of football here uh, at Montana State. And I think the biggest thing that we're trying to do is we do understand all good things, all good players are will be gone sometime. So right now we're doing whatever we can to develop that room. Uh, so when one day when there's not a Snell or Pickering in that room, there's not a huge drop off. It's just a smooth transition to the next guy. So the room's been awesome. 
Last thing for you, then, uh, as things come together here, obviously high expectations as a program, as a team, and offensively. Uh, how do you go about embracing those expectations, fulfilling those expectations, and, and what do you hope to get done these next couple weeks before the opener? Yeah, well, I mean, that's why that's why coaches come to coach here. That's why players come to play here um, for those expectations. Uh, you want to play in front of that many people. You want to be ranked where you are. But we know the, the rankings and the expectations, that's all based on what we did in, in, in 2022. You know, right now it is uh, we are 0-0. Uh, we haven't done anything. Uh, we just know that, you know, that we have the team to continue to get where we want to get. Everybody knows where we want to get. I don't know if it's an outstanding, but we also know that if we don't take this uh, day by day and, and, and be where our feet are, that we're not going to get them just about anything. So right now we're focused on, you know, continually stacking these days together, continue to develop in the offense, continue to develop as just good people. And I think we're doing that. It's great group. They're hungry. You know, they're ready to rock and roll. So you know, we're excited. We're certainly excited as well. Football right around the corner, less than a couple weeks away. Bobcats open their season September 2nd, 6 p.m. against Utah Tech under the Bobcat Stadium lights with the annual Gold Rush game. Tyler Walker, tight ends coach there at MSU here on our Montana State Minute. Coach, we appreciate the time today, man. Best of luck with the rest of fall camp, and uh, thanks for being here today. Appreciate it. Thank you. First time we've talked to Tyler Walker. Uh, good interview. Uh, fun, and uh, I definitely think two of the uh, – the better NFL prospects in the league are t- the two senior tight ends there at MSU and Derek Snell and Trayton Pickering and uh, their coach. Uh, he seems to agree. It's Nuwana's Now, ESPN Radio. It's our Montana State Minute. How about some free wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill? We also got some more baseball tickets and some free gas cards for you. A ton of giveaways coming your way. Here's what I need you to do. Think about who you think are the favorites to win the AFC and the NFC. In other words, who do you think is going to play in the Super Bowl? On the other side, you're going to call us, and you're going to tell us, and you're going to win some wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Wing it Wednesday next. Keep it right here, ESPN Radio. We've been doing the, the 50th anniversary of hip-hop every time Rajim Seabrook's in. And by the way, he can't make it this week. He's uh, at, in Arizona for uh, his day job. So uh, we'll miss him, but we'll have him back on when he's back around. But one of the most fun parts of the whole exercise is just the the little pockets of of hip-hop when when one thing hits and then, and then that sort of style of hip-hop becomes mainstream for a minute. And uh, when Big Pun and Fat Joe came out, that was just like this little moment in time. And all of a sudden, the Terror Squad was like ruling the hip-hop roost for for half a minute. But uh, that that's one of the coolest parts about the hip-hop history. So a little Big Punisher coming back for you on this Wednesday. It's a Wednesday, so that means it's a Wing It Wednesday here on Nuanas Now. So it's time to hook you up with a dozen wings from the Desperado Sports Tavern and Grill. Despo there on Russell Street right across from the YMCA. Best wings in Missoula. They also have delicious hamburgers, great beer selection, great place to watch. I I, I like watching all the sports at the Despo, but it's gr- it's one of the best baseball bars you're going to find in Montana. There's a lot of baseball fans in there. They got all the games going on. They also have two sports bet Montana kiosks, so you can uh, keep up with your live betting as well. And they have a full service casino there in the Despo too. So go check it out there on Russell Street here in Missoula. And here's what we need to do. We need you to do to win some wings. We got a basket of wings, 12 of them to be in fact, uh, courtesy of the Despo. We need you to call us right now, though. First caller through, tell us who you think are the favorites to win the AFC and the NFC. Just give us a Super Bowl matchup. That's all you got to do. You don't even have to elaborate. You can if you want, but you don't have to elaborate. 406-888-1029. Who's the favorite in the AFC? Who's the favorite in the NFC? Who do you think is going to play for the Super Bowl? First person through, you come on. You tell me uh, who you think are are the uh, the front runners at each conference, and you will be the lucky winner of the best wings uh, in the city of Missoula. Sounds like we got somebody. Who are we speaking with? Hey, Colter. It's John Heaney. Hey, John. What's going on? Nothing, man. How are you? Good. What do you think? Who's the favorites in the AFC and the NFC? Yeah, I gotta go with. Uh, I'm going with the Chiefs in the AFC. Got to roll with Mahomes, and then the NFC. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking. Uh, oh man, 
I don't know what, who you think and who are your picks. Man, I, I see that's the thing is I think the AFC is way better than the NFC. It's it's going to be really hard for the Eagles to get back there again because we perennially see the team that loses in the Super Bowl, they have a really hard time the next year unless they have a great year and then maybe go back and win it all. I, have, I think the Eagles are probably the inside track favorites, uh, but I think the 49ers are probably in the mix there as well. And I don't really know if I have a dark horse uh, in the NFC because I just I don't really see anybody from the North or anybody from the South actually been able to make a run at the conference uh, championship. So uh, I guess if we saw a rematch of the uh, NFC championship, Philadelphia and San Francisco next year, uh, I, th- I think that I, that that that's what I, I would predict. Thanks for the call, John. We appreciate it. And uh, enjoy yourself, the Wings. John, of course, a friend of the show, a uh, guy who worked in media in Montana for a while. I used to work with him at the Missoulian, and uh, now he's the, the golf coach over there at Big Sky. So, um Love knowing that the, the local coaches and uh, friends of the show are, are still listening in. Uh, it, it is interesting. I, I think that most pundits would say the Chiefs are the overwhelming favorites uh, in the AFC, and, and the Chiefs are certainly the betting favorites for the Super Bowl in the NFL. But I do think there's other contenders uh, in the AFC. I, I think that uh, the Bills, the Jets, and even maybe the Dolphins could all contend out of the East – I think the Ravens and the Bengals are certainly contenders in the North. I don't know if any of the AFC South teams have a true conference contender. But then I also think the Chiefs certainly, and uh, maybe even the Chargers. Part of that's just because you never know when, you know, your your top-tier franchise quarterback, I mean, that's why you got him, right? That's why you hope to have one of those top five or six guys in the league. Because if you do, those guys uh, could be the dudes that, take you far in the playoffs. That's the biggest drawback of the Minnesota Vikings, for example. I think Kirk Cousins is a fine quarterback, and I think he's going to get you to the playoffs more often than not. I don't know how he's going to win you playoff games. Josh Allen can win you playoff games. Aaron Rodgers, even though he's much maligned, he can win you playoff games. Joe Burrow absolutely can win you playoff games. Can Justin Herbert enter that conversation? Could Trevor Lawrence enter that conversation? I just was dogging on the AFC South saying I don't think there's anybody in that division that could win the conference. But if Lawrence took the next step, I mean, Lawrence fulfilling his potential is becoming a top five guy. I mean, that's why he was a number one overall draft pick. That's why he was considered, you know, the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck. When does Trevor Lawrence become like Andrew Luck or become like a you know Peyton Manning or whoever else you want to compare him to? If he takes the next step, he might be able to get you uh, on a deep playoff run as well. But I, I do think that there's way more contenders in the AFC just because I think most of the best quarterbacks, whether it's Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert in the West, Trevor Lawrence in the South, Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson in the North, or Aaron Rodgers and Josh Allen in the in the East. I think that most of the quarterbacks that I believe can be difference makers in the playoffs reside in the AFC. In the NFC, who do I realistically think could actually win the conference? That's where I'm stuck because I, I really don't, I can't see beyond. I, I just think that the Eagles and the Niners are the two definitively best teams in the NFC and there's really no scenario in which you could talk to me, uh, talk me into anybody else out of the a- a- NFC East. I mean, I, I I would be utterly shocked if the Cowboys, the Giants, or the Washington Commanders won the, the NFC East. I would be utterly shocked if anybody from the NFC North won the NFC. And I would be utterly shocked if anybody from the NFC South won the NFC. And I also think that the NFC West, as we talked about off the top, you got the Niners who are great, the Seahawks who are good, and then the Rams and the Cardinals aren't very good anymore. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm just completely blinded by this. Andrew, you're an Eagles guy. You were devastated by the Super Bowl loss a year ago. What do you think? Am I, am I short-sighted here on the NFC? Is there other teams in the NFC that I'm just underrating right now? I think you're right that there are two clear favorites right in the NFC. I think you're giving a little, a, a couple of teams short shrift here by saying you just don't see a path to the NFC championship for them. I'm a little bit worried about the Cowboys this year in the NFC East. I think if you told me the Cowboys won the NFC, I wouldn't be shocked. You know, I love the way Geno Smith played last year. I think the Seahawks could have a shot at it. Uh, you th- does, if the Seahawks won the NFC, that wouldn't utterly shock you. No. Wow. Sell Absolutely me on, not. Sell me on it. What What did you say their over-under was? Eight and a half? Yeah. I think that's low. I agree with that. I, I just think that, well, 
You know, honestly, if the if if the if the Niners sort of go off the rails and Seattle was to win that division and get a top two or three playoff seed and get home playoff games, that changes a ton for Seattle because they have one of the great home field advantages in sports. That's true. I don't think that even needs to come true for Seattle to have a chance to make a run in the playoffs because it's just the way that Seattle has built the Pete Carroll teams, right? I think they're they're a problem in the playoffs, right? Because you know they're going to be salty on defense in the playoffs. Uh, and I think that Geno Smith is, is sort of built for it, right? I could see them winning yeah. a couple games 21-17, 21-14, where Geno does just enough, doesn't turn the ball over, and they get a couple turnover, they get a couple takeaways of their own on defense in the playoffs. So no, I, I wouldn't be shocked. I think you know, maybe the other one. New Orleans is going to have an, a pretty easy run to the division, we think. Or I think. I know you said the Falcons are going to win it. I just I just have to be some sort of a contrarian. I actually don't think Desmond Ritter is going to win anything this year. I mostly just stand on the table for our guy, Troy Anderson. No doubt. And, you know, and they got Big Sky Connects. They got Caden Ellis, yada, yada, yada. They were actually pretty good. I watched them in person last year, and they won in Seattle. They were good in that game. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I think I just think that the South divisions are just the worst divisions in the in the NFL, both respectively in their conferences. Right, but doesn't that help the division winner when they get to the playoffs? Somebody's winning that division. That's right. The you're Saints' right. record is going to be inflated because of the right. badness of right. the other teams in the division. Maybe they're taking the two seed if they it, get lucky in a it, couple it's games. Tr- it's true, and then they've got a great home field advantage too. Uh, so I, I, you know. I'm right there with you. I think it's going to be the Niners and Eagles in the end. There are a couple other teams that were, like I said, wouldn't be shocked. I was thinking about this yesterday. I know that I have screamed and yelled into this microphone about Kirk Cousins as much as any other person that we talk about on this show. And and I maintain that I, and it's not because I dislike Kirk Cousins as a person or anything like that. It's just that I think that he's the worst quarterback situation in the NFL because he gets paid like a top-five guy, and he's not a top-five guy. I don't think he's a guy that could get on a hot streak and lead you to the Super Bowl. That said, I do think the Vikings have one of the best players in the NFL in Justin Jefferson, and I do think if the Vikings made a little bit of noise in the playoffs and sort of quieted those critics, including me, about the Kirk Cousins narrative, that wouldn't totally blow my socks up, especially because I just think that the rest of the NFC is just... Eh, you know, I, th- I think the Eagles and Niners are truly elite. I think that the Seahawks, I agree with Andrew, I think they could be good. And even though I think the Vikings are pretty middle of the road, I still think the Vikings are probably the fourth best team in the conference. So, I don't know, maybe they could find some magic, but I just I just don't see it. I think there's way more contenders for the Super Bowl uh, than uh, in the AFC than there is in the NFC. Nuanas now, hour one of the books, hour two coming at you. We're going Nuanas times two and hour number two. Brooks Nuanas breaking down all things college football and all things Big Sky Conference football, our ESPN Roundtable. Right after this, keep it right here, ESPN Radio. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 